Hey, Christine. Hey, Lauren. What's up? Well, what's up is that this is Pot of the Dragon, the podcast where we talk about Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, etc. We are here today for one of our epic Game of Thrones rewatch episodes. But first, you know, what's new with you? How's it going? How's life? I am going to Nashville to see a show. Nice. What are you going to go see in Nashville? I'm going to see a show that um, Chad Gilbert from Newfound Glory puts on called Breakfast. So it's Newfound Glory and Further Seems Forever. I like the headliners. We're like two of my husband's favorite bands. I also like them. Um, and then it's also like Four Year Strong's playing and the guy from Mayday Parade, and like a bunch of other bands. And they also have just like breakfast food and stuff like that so we like last minute decided to make a trip because the flights were really cheap cool that sounds fun how about you what's new um i mean what's new with me is basically just that i'm still getting used to my new job so i feel like super busy with that still but i feel like i'm like on the cusp of settling into a good routine with that so that's good it's just like a really really good fit for me so i'm loving it nice that's so exciting the episodes we're talking about today from season five are six through 10, which are Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken, The Gift, Heart Home, The Dance of Dragons, and Mother's Mercy. All right, let's get into it. Episode six of season five. Okay, so there's a lot of House of Black and White shit going on in these episodes. Can There's a couple things that like just overarching that... I want to mention about House of Black and White. Um, I was thinking about this during this rewatch that I don't really know. Do you feel like all the body stuff is meant to be like kind of creepy? Because I realize there's like some sort of creepyish music going on. Um, me being someone who has like been around cadavers a bit. I was never <laughs> really creeped out by these scenes because it's like a very it's not just like gross dead bodies or anything it seems like a very like kind of respectful environment and like more reminded me of like that kind of thing versus like just nasty death um how did you feel about it I wasn't creeped out by it no I I get like it's probably supposed to be creepy but it it more felt culty like it was like oh like you know you have to like climb up the rankings of this club by like scrubbing the dead like doing these rituals with dead bodies and like it more felt creepy in that it was like she's like joining this cult and it was creepy because there were bodies that's interesting that you say that about it being culty though because i didn't actually really think about it in that frame um and i think that's probably because it like is contrasted with the stannis melisandre cult which is like very obviously culty 
So maybe it didn't even like occur to me to think about this as a cult too, but obviously it is. This is like more of a cult. They're like, we serve a God and we assassinate people. You like give up your identity and you become like, you're all the same. You're all no one. Like it feels very. That's definitely true. It's a different kind of a cult. You know, there's no like charismatic leader. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's probably why I didn't think of it like that, because like Melisandre is clearly like a cult leader who almost like uses Stannis to like be a front for her. Yeah, because Stannis is not charismatic, but he is a leader. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of um, the, um, the Heaven's Gate cult where they had like the two leaders and like the one who didn't really talk as much. She was like kind of the one who started it, but then she like died and shit hit the fan because then the other guy was like i'm the messiah now (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) um so yeah stannis is kind of like that (laughs) yes he thinks he is the messiah because i mean definitely by the end of this like he thinks like nothing can touch him and everything's gonna go his way so um okay so the other thing that i wanted to talk about like as a general these five episodes thing with the house of black and white is the faceless men because I had multiple notes about this at different points where it's kind of hard to wrap your head around the whole like no one shit right and this came up for me especially in the very last episode that we're going to talk about today because one of the faceless men dies when he says like only death can pay for life and then they're like oh but it was no one who died but like the faceless men also come from individual people so like somebody fucking died (laughs) but they like lose their identity they're like the right that's the thing though it's like do they actually like because that makes sense like you lose your identity like in the context of what we just talked about like culty shit like you lose your identity and become like the same identity as everybody else um but there's an added layer to that in that they can like change literally change faces and like switch identities to other like no ones is came to a head for me in that last episode where somebody dies but nobody dies like what is that yeah like aria had been talking to someone she thought was the same person the whole time and now it's like perhaps every time she's talking to someone with jack and hagar's face it's a different person because like that's sort of what it seemed like in that scene like he died he was my friend no he wasn't he was no one and then someone else shows up in the same face like giving her the same kind of a speech you know yeah, and also, did somebody just die to make a point? No, I, th- I think they really do believe, like, a life for a life. But she did take a life. She just took the wrong one. I'm sure we'll talk about this more because I have, like I said, lots of notes about it. All right, then, okay, so, yeah, we start out with the House of Black and White stuff, and then we go over to Tyrion and Jorah. Um, they get captured by slavers. Now, I have thoughts here because I feel like this has the potential and I don't think they like played this out because they clearly made Jorah into somebody who fucking loves slaves. We've talked about this a lot. He's like really into it. Now he becomes one here. Of course, he's not like captured for very long and he kind of like gets what he exactly what he wants out of that experience, which is like getting back in front of Daenerys. So I don't know that he like learns any lessons from that, but they had the potential here to like make Jorah kind of like learn a really deep lesson about this. And they kind of just wasted that opportunity no you're so right i didn't even think about it that way but yeah like because they try to redeem him in this episode in this season and like bring him back into the fold and like they could have fixed his main character flaw which is that he loves slavery 
Yeah, but they just like never acknowledge that he loves slavery. I feel like he keeps like loving slavery, but like nobody really talks about it. Yeah, they're just like, you love slavery too bad, but oh well. Oh well, no slaves. Yeah. And he should have learned like, oh, slavery bad. That's why Daenerys even better. No more slaves. But no, he really doesn't seem like he learns. I had an episode here. I had a note for like episode eight, maybe that was like, why doesn't Jorah get it? Any of this? Like he just doesn't get it. Period. Right. And they really had the perfect opportunity to fix this shit about him if they were going to bring him back in and do like a redemption arc. It almost seems like the show writers like also didn't think it was like a main character flaw of his. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, like we see it as a character flaw, but it's like very much like not played out that way. Same with him being like so creepily obsessed with Daenerys as like played as like loyal and not like, dude, she told you to leave like eight times. Get the fuck out. Yeah, no, he's problematic. All right. So, yeah, they get captured. Um, Tyrion's like, you can't sell my cock to a cock merchant while it's, you know, detached from me. They're like dwarf sized cock. He's like, think again. (laughs) (laughs) How how are they going to know that the cock came from a dwarf? It'll be a dwarf sized cock. Guess again. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Back over in King's Landing. Speaking of cults, this is like the cultiest season for sure. Oh, there's so many cults. I feel like that's like the theme of this season is like the different cults. Even the Night's Watch is a fucking cult. Yeah, Lancel's very culty with his cult scab on his head. He's talking over to Lord Peterphile. Peterphile and Cersei are like lying to each other. So I had thoughts about this because Christine... And by pedophile, I obviously mean Lord Baelish, in case anyone didn't pick up on that. He's a pedophile. His name is Peter Baelish, pedophile. Um, So he lies to everyone, but he also seems to be able to convince, like, a lot of people that they are the exception and, like, the one person that he's not lying to. Like, he does that to Ned Stark in season one. He does that to Sansa. Like, he is doing that to Cersei in this season. Like, that ability that he has to lie to everyone, but, like, to also convince them, like, no, I'm on your side, though, is so creepy. Yeah, like, why do people trust him? Like, he's known for being like that. It's not like he's a nice guy and he's secretly an asshole. Like, he's known for being... He's known for being untrustworthy, and yet he's also, like, the best at gaining people's trust. And not just, like, anyone's trust, like, not just desperate people, like, people who fucking matter. Okay, then, okay, we got to get back into Dorne because there's a lot of Dorne shit in these episodes. We've talked about this. Not a fun plot line. Just kind of sucks. Um, the Sand Snakes also kind of culty in a little bit of a way. Marcella and Tristane, is that his name? Tristan? Tristane, yeah. They're happy and in love. Yeah, they're little in love teenagers. Um, they're actually like cute together. If they had been allowed to live together, they would have probably become like a power couple in the Seven Kingdoms. Which is why they should have made the plot that they were trying to put them on the throne because Marcella had, based on Dornish succession laws. Which is the plot in the book, which is more interesting. Like, that's what the Sand Snakes were up to in the book. They were just like, fuck Tom and Marcella. Yeah, they're not trying to kill her. They're trying yeah, to back like, her. Marcella has claim to the throne because in Dorne, we believe that women can inherit property and titles and that would make Tristane king fuck them (laughs) like fuck the showrunners for changing that because it's a way better plot there's more like deceit and like 
complexity to it than just like they want to kill her because they're mad. And it just like is completely opposite of what was happening in season four in terms of um, Oberyn being like, yeah, we don't kill kids in Dorn. And the fact that like by the end, like Ilaria Sam seems like she gets it. Like she has that conversation with Jamie and she has a conversation with Marcella and it seems like, but yeah, like she seems like she gets it and is like reformed. And she's like, no, I was just angry, but I know your family, like you, this little girl had nothing to do with what happened to the man I loved. And then she just fucking like, why? Then why did you kill her? Why? This whole plot line is just like very poorly written. Jamie and Bronnie coursing through the Dornish countryside, which is notably not filled with grapevines. Sus. Where does the wine come from? It looks very desert. It does not look very vineyard friendly. I don't know what's going on, but somebody's lying to us. Um, and then he's singing that song, The Dornishman's Wife, which is a funny song while he's in Dorn. And then, of course, the sand snakes show up and capture them. Clang, 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 sword fight, whatever. Why did they make the sand snakes so full of themselves here's the thing they could have been cooler characters if they were just badasses and not like hey let me tell you i'm a badass and they don't actually do anything that cool they just talk about how cool they are and i'm like that doesn't they don't do anything that cool yeah yeah i don't know they're just like very full of themselves but they don't like actually do anything cool so i'm like it would have been more fun if they made them do cool things and not talk about themselves like that but yeah i think my least favorite line of this entire show um, which is saying a lot is you want a good girl, but you need a bad pussy. That's the most cringe thing. Yeah, the sand snakes could have been cool. So it's like more annoying that they're annoying because we see how they could have been better. Yeah. Um, okay. Grandma No Fox shows up at in King's Landing to deal with Cersei. Calls Cer- Cersei a tart. And I like how everyone, whenever they talk to Cersei, implies that she fucks her brother. Because she does. But it's just like a... Like, now that's the dig that everyone can use because I think... Common knowledge Yeah, now. and I think maybe because, like, Tywin's not there anymore, they know they can get away with it. Cersei doesn't really have that much power anymore without Tywin backing her and without being married to King Robert. Um, Elena is here because she's mad about um, Loras being taken hostage. And so then we get uh, more culty nonsense bullshit with the sparrows. Loras has his hearing culty bullshit like i said um you can see the classic cersei sneer in the background of this scene which is just i love that cersei expression when she does her good sneer so you know you got to pick up on the little things in this season then oliver comes in and like fucks everything up and loris has to go to jail forever yeah that trial is just like no evidence whatsoever no one had any intention of this being a fair they're trial. They're just there and they're just like, he's gay. Why? Uh, this guy says they had sex. Oh, okay. Let's put Marjorie in jail too. Why? I hate it. And it's lame and it sucks. And it's not even like interesting. It's just like, this is stupid. No, And I think, do we say before? Because I don't want to repeat a million times. The, the reason why Marjorie, I think I said in like an older episode, like the reason Marjorie gets locked up in the books is because it has nothing to do with Loris. It's because they find out she's taking moon tea, which is like a contraceptive. And like, yeah, and Tommen was like too young to fuck in the books. They don't fuck. So like the reason she's getting locked up is like adultery, which is like fine. That's like a fine reason to lock up a queen that like, you know, 
and it's like interesting because she played yeah and then this is just because she like lied about her brother not being gay it's it's really dumb and i know like we're obviously i mean there's the sparrows are not really they're not at all like one of those gray area characters that george likes to create they're just bad so we're supposed to hate them but that's honestly like a it's less interesting than the characters who are like a little bit of good a little bit of bad and b it's just like we don't need more homophobic nonsense and it's not like it's it's paired with anything else to like make it any kind of interesting dichotomy or like any anything it's just bad that's i feel like what this season misses is like there's not like there aren't like foil characters there's no like interesting dichotomy it's just very like bad things are happening to everyone yeah, it's more of a black and white season for sure. And it just is less interesting in that sense. Because it's not like, oh, I wonder if this person will make a good decision or a bad decision. You know exactly what they're yeah, going to do. Yeah, exactly. It's like not surprising anymore. And I feel like the High Sparrow like maybe could have been a more interesting character. Because like he could have kind of been good. Like, you know, like he's all about a man of the people and wanting to like bring down the bourgeoisie and the sins of the, you know, that like no one is like God judges everyone the same. But, like, he's not that. Like, he's just very spiteful and, like, stupid. Right. That character is very easy to make into somebody who, like, fits into that gray area mold that George likes to do for all his characters. And yet they just didn't. Let's go back up to Winter Hell. Gonna steal that. Gonna steal that from Hot Pie since it's hell there right now. Sansa's doing her creepy bath with Miranda. Yeah. And oh, that's why this episode was the worst. This is Sansa's wedding episode. Yes, this is why. You're right. That's why this is the worst. Miranda tells Sansa while she's in the bath that Ramsey likes to kill people. So she basically just says that outright, more or less. Uh, she's like, yeah, when he gets bored, he kills them. He hunts them. He won't need you once you have babies. Like, good luck. And Sansa's like, fuck off, maybe. She's so badass here. And it makes me so sad because like Sansa made so much progress became this like badass bitch and now she's just like about to be like traumatized even worse i don't know i mean this is just a theme for the rest of the of the show basically is that like they don't follow through on the setups that they did for character arcs or for plot lines or for anything they started doing stuff like i think they said like because in the books it's another character it's jane pool who was like a friend of uh sansa's who they send to marry ramsey and say it's aria because no one's seen aria so it's like fake Arya that marries him. So like the plot line's the same. It's just not Sansa. And on the show, they're like, oh, you know, it would be like even more interesting as if we made it Sansa. So like they weren't even like thinking about Sansa's story arc. They're just like, oh, if we made this a character that you guys cared that like, you know, the audience cared about, it would be like a more exciting and devastating story, which like isn't fair to like how like her, she had been progressing, you know? So I think... Here's what I think. Like, one of the things that made Game of Thrones famous, like, the first two seasons or so was, like, especially because a lot of people who watched it, like, weren't familiar with the books. Um, and there was this sense that, like, people were like, you never know what to expect from this show, which George does kill off characters that other authors might not. Um, and I think that's where, like, maybe the writers kind of got to this point where they were like, well, the whole Thing. like you can't do what the plot is like setting you up 
to believe is going to happen. But like, you also need some fucking payoff. So I don't know. I think they just like dove a little too far into the like, let's keep it unexpected. There needs to be a balance. And like, I do think that is one of the more unique things about this show is like, you don't know who to expect to live, who to expect to die, who to expect to backstab or whatever. Um, But you can't have people just like, you can't just set up a whole character arc and then just scrap it. I don't know. No, I read a thing a few years ago after the finale that was talking about how like the reason it changed is because the way that George writes his stories is like he first develops a character and then moves the plot forward based on like what what would this character do here? And like that's why it's taking him so long to write everything is because he like can kind of you can kind of like write yourself into a wall that way when you're like oh but like how are we going to move this plot along based on what these characters would do here whereas the showrunners were more like writing along the lines of like plot first so they're like this needs to happen how are we going to make it happen oh we'll throw this character in and it's like more action driven and it's like it moves a lot quicker and it's like less true to the characters yeah which is like and and that's what made it suck because we had like come to know this great character development through the first four seasons and that's like what made this show unique and it wasn't just like another spartacus or like one of those like action shows like it was like very about like the human conflict and the personalities involved and you like get attached to people and you hate people and there's ambiguity and like those gray space kind of characters and yeah all right, enough of our rant, though, for the for the time being. Back to the show. Let's move on to episode seven, The Gift. Okay, we started off at the wall. Tormy, Torm, and Johnny boys, they're like, let's go get the wild boys. And all the other night boys are big mad. Mr. Eamon is dying. That death was a sad one for me, for sure. Um, he is one of those characters who is just pretty good. Um He's not an asshole to anyone, really. I think he's the only character to die of natural causes. I think you're right. (laughs) He just died of old age. Like, everybody else died of, like, murder, basically. Yeah, that's, like, a good story because it's so unique. Did you hear about the guy who died of natural causes? (laughs) We have to talk about Stannis. Oh, yeah, I wrote fucking Stannis in the snow. I don't give a fuck. But yeah, he definitely did not know before this episode. Do we need? I feel like we need like uh, we need to like publish a um dictionary of our nicknames for people. Like Thanos <laughs> and Peter File, Peter File and Snarg. Thanos is like Stannis is basically the same character as Thanos, so that's why we call him Thanos. In case you missed that one in a previous episode. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, he's off in the snow um, and he gets real bad in these episodes. They're basically like his whole army is up there like starving and freezing. And it's like obviously a bad situation, but he's like really sucked into this cult shit and like believes in it. So he's like, well, this is what the fire said to do. So it makes sense, even though all the signs are saying it doesn't make sense. But he's not into logic anymore. So which is like why people liked him. So I don't get why he I mean, I guess he dies in this season, so I guess that's showing his downfall is he was like the logical fair one and then he started Well, becoming, yeah, he lost that. It's gone. And then now. he lost that and then did like, you know, the ultimate bad shit that you could possibly do and that's when he lost everything. 
Yeah. And he like, I, I wrote for this one because he like turns to Melisandre and he's like, are you sure? Like, are you sure this is going to work? Are you sure this is the right move? And she's basically like, yeah, I'm sure. But like, maybe let's just also kill your kid just to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely didn't know. Cause we were talking a few episodes ago. Is he just like, you know, like being nice to the lamb before the slaughter. And it seems like, no, like he very much like did not know. And he's just like, is there any other way? Why not leeches? Why the fuck not leeches? How come they could take out three Kings with leeches? Like, why can't they just use fucking, why can't they use leeches on Stannis? Put some leeches on his dick. That's his literal blood. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Also, um, it's just Ramsey. Like, it's not like they're trying to take down another king this time. Yeah, like, why do you need to kill your kid? Yeah, so they're both insane. Him and mm-hmm. Melisandre. And then Solis is, like, the most insane. Yeah, so I do still think that Solis knew that they were going to kill... Shireen. Shireen. I do still think that Solis knew they were going to kill Shireen when they left with her. Like, I think she had that idea the whole time. Melisandre almost kind of, like, hinted at it when they left. Like, your daughter has a special role to play in the wars to come. Yeah. Yeah, and she was like, heck yes, I'm into it. Like, fuck yeah. Um, Obviously, she, like, has a moment of clarity at the very end um, and changes her mind, but she seemed like she was pretty into it and okay with it. And I definitely think she was aware that that was... Yeah, it was like once they like lit the pyre was when she started freaking the fuck out and was like, no, no, no. And I think that's like when she... And of course, that's when her and Stannis like flipped how they felt about it because then he like held her back and he's like, now I'm into it. Not into it, but okay with it. He like knew, he thought like that's what he had to do. It was like he had to sacrifice his kid for the good of the realm was how he was seeing it. Um, I think you, like you said before, um, there's some attempted rape at Gilly, rapey fuckers. It's yeah, my note. they tried to um, rape Gilly, um, and then they beat up Sam. And then I wrote, God, this season almost sucks. Or God, this season sucks. I almost missed Bran because Bran is not in this season at all. <laughs> and I was like, this season's so bad. I would take a Bran scene right now because fuck this. Like, there's just everything bad happens to everybody that you care about in this show. I mean, in, in this show in general. Well, I mean, Sam also does get laid. Yeah, but that was a good thing is Sam finally gets laid at the end. And then he says, oh my, some Obi-Wan Kenobi bullshit. (laughs) But yeah, that was, um, that was probably like the funniest moment of the season. Um, when he says that, when he's getting laid, uh, I will never not laugh at that. (laughs) Ooh, speaking of sex, we get some Dario Naharis pillow talk back in Marine. Um, he says, he does not agree with her marrying his star Zolorak, which like honestly isn't a good move anyway if you're planning on going to Westeros at some point. Like I know you're trying to make alliances. I think I already said that in the last episode. So Dario is like, you should marry me instead. He also says that she should slaughter all the masters yeah. in this scene. She kind of laughs at the idea of marrying him for Dario. He's just a just a boy toy. And then she said, like, she, she says she can't. And he goes, you can do whatever you like. You're the queen. And then she said, queens cannot do whatever they like. And he said that you're the only person in Marine who is not free. But then he says, that's when he says to slaughter all the people, all the masters. And she says, I am a queen, not a butcher. 
Foreshadowing. I know. How many times do we have to have this rant? She's a queen, not a butcher. She doesn't want to kill a bunch of fucking people for no reason. Once again, they just throw out all their character development. Anyway, moving right on, because we can talk about that for way too long based on previous experiences. You think that Cersei realized how upset Tommen would be about the whole imprisonment situation? I don't know. Because, like, her whole thing is that she, like, wants to protect Tommen and, like, give him, like, all the best in life. But, like, I almost thought she seemed a bit surprised here at how upset Tommen was that, and, like, how helpless he felt that he couldn't do anything to save his wife. I, I just don't think she was fully expecting him to like love anyone else like she kind of she's like you're the only one that I love so like he probably is you know feels the same way about me but he doesn't feel that way about his mom anymore like he's she's not the only person in his life yeah it just seems like like she doesn't truly love her son like she loves him but like it seems like like she loves having control over him like she wants to be the only one in his life so even if like it she wants access to him and his power and to you know kind of mother hen him even if it's like to his detriment and like she doesn't actually care about what he really wants he is devastated he can't get her out and then Cersei gets locked up too so the part that I thought was cool here was the High Sparrow talks about how underneath the Sept of Baelor there's an old chapel that was there before like before the Targaryens came and that they built the church on top of it or the sept. Um, and I thought that was cool because when I was in Dubrovnik, which, you know, King's Landing, they talked about when I did my like actual history tour, she took us to the cathedral in town and she said that they like, there was an earthquake in I think the seventies, don't quote me, um, but there's an earthquake um, and they discovered that like, before that cathedral, which was already like, you know, a very old building before that was built, there was something else underneath the foundations of like an older, like church or temple or something that might be even older, and they don't actually know how old it is. And they've like, archaeologists been going in and like dating it and stuff like that. So it's like, that, that's like structure exists in Dubrovnik, which I think is cool. So like, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it's really cool. <laughs> I love that kind of shit. And it's so like, I don't know, it's so fascinating whenever stuff like that happens. Yeah, but that's interesting how it reflects like the real life versus the show too. Yeah, very cool. Um, Back in Dorne, Marcella is like not chill to leave. She's lived there for more than half her life. Like she probably doesn't remember King's Landing nearly as well as she knows Dorne. She doesn't like have a relationship with her mom or her dunkle. Is that what I said? was a good name for Jamie. <laughs> her, her dad, uncle. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have a good relationship with her mom or uncle dad. Um, and so, yeah, it makes sense that she's like, yeah, I don't. And it's not even just like the puppy love for Tristane. Like, she literally doesn't remember King's Landing. So it definitely makes sense that she's like, why are you going to come steal me away? Like, Jordan seems nicer. Like, I mean, actual Dubrovnik was great, but like the way that they talk about King's Landing and how it's like, dirty and like the people who live there don't seem to like it meanwhile Dorne's just like we have beaches and wine and gardens it's wonderful here and everybody gets a tan well and like obviously there's a lot of like shit going on with the Dorne plotline in this season but like in general it seems like the culture in Dorne is like more open and accepting and like less people like lying and backstabbing 
than King's Landing. So yeah, I have a question because you have a sister and I have a sister. Um, would you ever just pull your tits out to flirt with a man in front of your sister? No, no, <laughs> no. no. So. Um, that's what happens in this scene with the sand snakes and brawn. The one chick is just like, let me take my boobs out and like grind on the cell door next to you. The scissors are just like rolling their eyes. Like here she goes again. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, don't do that. That's so gross. Weird. Yeah, let's just move on because I don't want to talk about it. Okay, so then we're back over other side of the narrow sea. We got Danny and his dart just like randomly show up at this fighting pit where um, Jorah the fucker and Tyrion are. <laughs> Jorah the fucker. Yeah, this is where I wrote, why doesn't Jorah get it? Any of this? Because he like wants to fight. Yeah, because he wants to fight for his queen. And, like, have you met her? She is, like, so against the fighting pits to begin with. Like, she does, like, she's not going to be impressed that you're in the fighting pits because she doesn't like the fight. Like, he just, he doesn't fucking get it. And Danny has this, like, almost, like, visceral reaction to seeing him where that actually fucking makes sense to me. That reminds me of, like, I don't know. I mean, I've had some creepers in my life. And, like, when they show up unexpectedly, that is the response that you have where you're like, I've told you to leave. I've told you not to be in my life anymore. Why the fuck are you at why my friend's door? Why are you door? here? And why are you trying to impress me with something that if you had ever had one conversation with me, you would realize would not fucking impress me because I don't think just like men fighting to the death for entertainment is cool. And he knows that because when they were doing that at the Dothraki wedding, she was like, yeah, no, this is fucked up. Like, he knew she wouldn't like that. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, he might as well have, like, bought a bunch of slaves to give to her. Like, he does not he understand it. He did, because he brought her Tyrion. Like, oh, I, I enslaved this guy and gave you a person. It's like, he captured Tyrion to bring to her. You don't give people I brought you a gift. It's this guy. Into. <laughs> You're right. What the fuck? Jorah! He's asleep. Oh, he's so dumb and such a creeper. Like, he for sure needs a restraining order. I don't feel like he... Sorry, I don't feel like he has the... Like, they almost frame it as, like, this is some, like, redemption arc season for him, but it's fucking not. He's just a creeper. No, it's not. Oh, I like when Tyrion comes out and he says, it's me, I'm the gift. I've definitely, like, quoted that before when I show up places. <laughs> it's me, I'm the gift. <laughs> Yeah, so then, oh yeah, and then this is the end of this episode is where, like you said, Cersei gets taken into jail by the Sparrows, and I'm kind of like, haha, that's what you deserved. Let's move into episode eight. This episode's actually good. The director of this one's one of the directors of House of the Dragon. Yeah, this is uh, Miguel Sapache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that who you're talking about? He's, the yeah, one. Yeah. He's a director of House of the Dragon. And he directed a lot of like the like really good battle scenes in Game of Thrones. And I think this was the first one he did was this uh episode. Uh he actually did the previous one too, which wasn't a good episode. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mostly know him as like the the battle, big battle scene guy. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean the ones where he, where there are big battle scenes and he is the director are good for sure. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it's like a co-creating situation where like, you know, we're, they're going to have the opportunity to let one director 
our creator like shine and the other one kind of take a back seat as needed depending on what is needed out of the episode so i'm excited for house of the dragon for a lot of reasons but that's one of them all right so hard home okay um again begins with jora um danny's out here telling him to shut the fuck up so i'm like great maybe he should listen but of course he doesn't yeah so it's like her and Tyrion have this conversation where he's like she basically says like what should i do with him Tyrion says killing and politics aren't always the same thing and she's like great you can be my advisor because she's not a fucking killer he thinks it's a good idea to learn from someone who's not a killer she banishes Jorah again doesn't she doing once again something that she hates to impress her he's also like lying too because he has the grayscale and he's just like all everything he's doing is making him into a walking yes he's like the motherfucker in a zombie movie that like pretends he didn't get bit literally jorah in this he's like has this like very contagious dangerous disease and he's just like "Mm, i'm just gonna pretend it's fine and like go hang out with the person i idolize and expose them to that yeah anyway he's the worst meanwhile back in king's landing Cersei's in jail and we've got the confess, confess, confess shit starting. I thought about this, like she has never been in a position in her entire life, even from when she was a child, of having this little power. It's so true. So like that is, um, yeah, that's like a pretty wild experience for her. Like obviously this is a bad experience for anyone, but especially for her, just because it's such a, um, a contrast to everything she's ever experienced. I was thinking about like the end of the season when she does confess do you think it was like just like something she said because she had to say it to like get out of the situation or do you think they like broke her at all i think they did break her down i think so too and i think like the more the first time i watched this i definitely kind of didn't feel that way as much where i was like she's just saying what she needs to say to get out um because obviously she like goes right back to being her asshole self more or less but like rewatching this i was thinking about how this experience must have been for her being cersei lannister from the family who shits gold and like can do no wrong even when they fuck their own siblings like this is a very extreme situation for her even compared to how extreme it already is and i think it totally makes sense that that would break her spirit yeah no i think it did break her spirit i mean i think she said those things to get out and she just got yeah like she just got so desperate she's like yeah i'll just admit to it just like get me out of here i want to see my son but she also like knows the things are true i don't know yeah there's an element of both i think anyway this is a little this is a great arc here with Arya because this is where she goes to start selling oysters and she has like this mark that she's supposed to target. Oysters, clams, and cockles. Yeah, she sees the thin man and she's like basically discussing with Jacken how she's going to murder this guy. And then she sees Sir Marin, the worst. The worst. Let's go up to the Bolton nonsense shit. Okay, so Ramsey's like, Thanos is fucked. Let me just take 20 men and fuck them up, which totally works because um, killing your kid doesn't make you everything proof. And they like didn't have enough troops. They didn't have enough food. Like, I feel like a lot of his men left after that. Is that? Well, all of the sail swords left because they were like, yeah, we're not in this cult 
um, and we're not going to stick around. It was it, it was said outright. They said like all of the men, like all of the sail swords left in the night. Yeah, because so it was like this stack of bad news for Stannis because like their horses get slaughtered, their food stores get destroyed, and then all of the sail swords desert. And then his wife has killed herself. Like, it is bad news morning for Stannis. Like, all of the bad news that could ever happen to anyone in, ba- in one lifetime happens to him in, like, an hour. Like, it's, like, the literally the opposite effect. Like, yeah, it turns out when you burn your kid alive in front of everyone, like, some bad shit happens. Yeah. And people don't really want to fight for you anymore. You're not really the honorable king anymore. Yeah. And then his response is, great, let's continue with my plan and go to war. Because he still thinks he's, like, everything proof because of the fucking king's blood. Yeah, so, I mean, he is beyond fully indoctrinated in this season. Like, he just... I mean, he's also, like, kind of without a choice. Like, you can't really turn around at this point. (laughs) Yeah, like, what else do you do? He's just kind of, like, he probably... Everything's gone. Like, his life is gone. He's just like, I'm either going to win this fight or I'm going to die. And either way, this is the end, you know? Yep, for sure. Okay, Nargi Narg goes to save the free folk. Let's talk about this. Oh, so this is, like, yeah, this part of the episode's, like, its own little mini movie like we meet some new characters we find out about them we watch them brutally die (laughs) we um we start off with the lord of bones getting murdered who is a character we've known for a while not like a major but you know somebody we know um we know him more in the books for sure but Tormund kills him here just like show like how serious he is about trusting snargy narg and then narg talks to the free folks i definitely like like you said like this was its own kind of little movie and i was definitely like more into it initially because I was like shit's happening in the north shit's happening with the white walkers um now like knowing how the series ends I was a little more bored by this yeah I still thought I was good but I get because it's like oh yeah the white walkers like don't maybe bored is like a putting it too extreme I just was less interested in it than I used to be because we like don't learn anything new about the white walkers at the end and they're like really easy to defeat and yeah I thought it was interesting here because, like, obviously we're going back and forth with, like, there's just this long history of, like, the Free Folk and the Night's Watch, like, murdering each other. So I kind of, like, was comparing this to Ollie because he has, like, this very black and white outlook of, like, the Free Folk killed my family and fucked them forever. And it seems like this is, like, this opposite, like, the exact opposite of how the Free Folk are, like reacting in this scenario where they're like you guys are murdering us forever and we hate you forever and so like yeah it makes sense that this Mm -hmm. is like a really difficult relationship to repair because it's been going on for generations and generations like literally thousands of years so i i mean obviously we get that sense through this but i think like the more you think about it too it's even like more momentous that they overcome this and like are able to take the people out that they do yeah um like it's, this is a huge moment for those two peoples coming together it's pretty cool that's right yeah i think that's what's cool about this episode is like there's like that conflict between you know the crows and the free folk and like trying to figure out you know can we trust each other are we are we all on the same side and then that's when the white walkers show up and they very much need to be on the same side because if they don't they're all gonna die and that's like basically was snarg narg's point the whole time and like why he went there and it just like became like very clear 
Yeah, the Free Folk and Night's Watch thing definitely gave me some like Northern Ireland uh, parallels, which I thought was interesting since this was filmed there. Mm, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah, like this just like impossible to overcome rift between people. And yet they're like, we got to figure this out. So pretty cool. Um, of course, the Thens are like, we don't want to participate because they're the Thens. And I'm like, you know what? That's cool. We don't need cannibals. In we the can South. let the cannibals go. Yeah. Yeah. Just... They can become skeletons. Then they don't need to eat people. Yeah. I mean, then they get to eat people a lot easier if they were zombies. So okay, I like, okay. This was also the most obvious thing ever to me that the mom was going to die as soon as she was introduced as a character. <laughs> oh Yeah. Yeah, because they were like, we meet this new character who, like, doesn't exist. And then, like, they're like, oh, here's her innocent children. And then, like, she puts them on a boat and says, I'll be there soon. And I'm like, cool, she's obviously Oh, yeah, die. that's when you, in that moment, yeah. I think the big thing we see here is how quickly the Night King can raise the dead, too. That, like, everyone who had just died um, fighting his army, he just lifted his arms. And they all opened their eyes and got back up. Um, so like it just showed how like difficult of an opponent this is because for every everyone they kill um, from your side ends up on their side the more you lose like it's doubled down on your losses because it just grows his army yeah for sure and then the one thing I have to say about this whole sequence that I never liked was I'm always whenever they turn the skeletons into like a liquid where they like pour over the wall I'm just like I don't know. I just felt very Pirates of the Caribbean, like, not good to me. Yeah. Oh, that does remind me of that, the skeletons. I don't know. Just, like, it makes more sense to me when they, like, behave more zombie-like or even, like, human-like. But when they, like, become this, like, fast-moving liquid of skeletons, I'm just like, all right, that's a little excessive. Yeah, no, it's weird. Yeah, it's just like, are they zombies? Are they skeletons? Yeah. I don't know. The weird thing, too, is... Like, I think in these later seasons, they definitely became more, especially the the White Walkers, like the just skeleton ones, like they definitely became more just like classic zombies versus like in season one, it seemed like the White Walkers were kind of like their own thing. Like they were their own villain that like was different from zombies in other movies and books and stuff, you know? The White Walkers and, like, the Night King are something different, but, like, their army is the zombies. Like, the White... Yeah, but, like, is, the like, whole the thing in the season... Back in season one, early seasons, the whole thing, like, felt like its own fantasy genre of, like... It was more mysterious and, like, we didn't know what was going on. And now it's just, like, they're dead and they come to life and there's only a certain way you can kill them and it's with this certain thing. And it's just, like, okay, so it's a zombie. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a good point. You know, I don't know. It, it's weird because like it feels more ominous in the sense of like what you were saying earlier. Like it's so easy for the for them to like grow the army of the dead and like continue to have all this power. But it also just feels less ominous because it's like not as mysterious anymore. Yeah, but I guess even like that first scene of the whole show, I was just like, oh, zombies. And I didn't think I would like it because I'm like, I'm not really into zombie stuff. But then it was not really that for most of it. <laughs> So then we go into episode nine, which is the Dance of Dragons. Now, like I said at the top of this, not like the most exciting episode to have that title, but there is some really good shit in this episode too. There's good shit in here. And like Shireen, 
talks about the dance of dragons and like mentions some of the characters that we're going to see in house of the dragon. So that was a nice little, like, yeah. Oh, I think I like skipped ahead before with what I was talking about with all the Stannis shit going down. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. We've been jumping. Yeah. Cause around. a lot of that happens in this episode, but yeah. Yeah. Cause this is, this is the episode where Shireen gets burned. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've been jumping around a little bit. There's not a whole lot to even talk about with this episode. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly like the Stannis shit going down, which like I said, we just talked about that. Danny opening up the fighting pits. Yes, so Danny has opened like the big fighting pit. Oh, sorry. I this is also like the episode where Arya is stalking um Sir Marin Trent Trent. And um yeah, I mean like I said, like you said, like not a lot really overall to talk about in this episode. We've got the fighting pits with Danny, we've got the Sir Marin being stalked, and we've got Stannis's life going to shit. At the very end of it. Danny in the fighting pits. Now, this is obviously the best moment of this season. Yeah, it for sure is. Drogon comes to her rescue. Um, we got his dark gets his dark gets dead. Jorah like apparently redeems himself or whatever, but I don't think he really does. Yeah, like the harpies attack and then Drogon yeah. shows up. I do think it's funny, like they're all holding hands, like, I guess it's time to die. And then Drogon shows up and she's just like later losers and just I know, like she's just on the dragon and them. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? And I guess like when she wasn't like she was the one they were after, so they just left them alone. Yeah, they but, don't like, really show what that's happened. That's kind of unrealistic anyway. Like you'd think, like, oh, you're gonna fuck up, we're gonna kill your your team. What are you gonna do without them? Like, we'll kill your council, we'll kill the general of your army. Like <laughs> Okay, so Danny gets on Drogon. She rides off into the sunset, whatever. Um, I want to talk to you about this because based on the books and like the general lore of A Song of Ice and Fire, like we've been led to believe that there's like some kind of, is it more like supernaturally magic-y type bond that happens when somebody starts riding a dragon. Now, it doesn't seem like Danny can control Drogon any better. It seems like he kind of like is still just as aloof when she's riding him and, and yet of course a couple seasons later it's going to seem like she has total control over like it is inconsistent because in the very next episode is it the next one or no the last episode of the season like she's hanging out with drogon and he like doesn't want to listen to her and he seems like not interested in but i thought that was just because he was like injured and exhausted because like they he got hit he took like several arrows i suppose he was like healing and exhausted but yeah I think like that was like her trying to figure out like climbing onto him and he's like breathing fire I think in the books it was like more of an intense scene like he breathes fire and it burns her hair and her clothes off like reminiscent of when he was when the dragons were born but like she eventually gets on and like flies away they make it a lot more like victorious in the show I don't know. I don't know if they really get into that. You're right. Like, it's just kind of like she's struggling and then he disappears for a while and then he comes back and she's like, now I can fly a dragon. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like it doesn't seem like this is really like a topic much at all. If you only watch the show, I think you almost have to like read the books to know about that stuff. So I guess it just maybe doesn't matter to them. But it seems like a big Thing. Um, especially because there has been this theme of her not being able to control them. So you'd think they would want to make it more obvious that like, oh, she's now bonded with this dragon and now like they can get along and work together. But I think a lot of it is because like this part almost made sense to me because like 
we see her in the last episode, like get kidnapped by the Dothraki. And then of course we see next week, next season, she like rejoins the Dothraki and takes control and they all become her Kalasar. And it's almost like she needs to like be able to do queen shit without having the dragons before she's like worthy of them. I don't know. That's like sort of how I took it. Like once she was able to like, get by on her own without the dragons because like so far she's gotten away from a lot of shit because she has dragons you know and like once she's able to do that on her own is when she's like able to control the dragon i don't know but none of it fucking matters in the end anyway yeah episode 10 yes mother's mercy you just came from the shame stairs recently we're gonna get to the shame stairs yes to see the shame stairs in this episode like this is when i was like yes it's time yeah but that felt cool to like watch the place that you were yes yeah it felt cool i learned that like a lot of those extras were like people from dubrovnik and they were asked to like shout curse words in croatian oh Um, cool but so i was listening to try to hear I didn't really hear anything that wasn't English. I just heard like. Did you learn any Croatian curse no, words? I did not. But like, I didn't hear any words that weren't English. Like watching the scene, I was like listening to try to hear it. I just heard like slut and whore and bitch. A lot of that, yeah. Well, okay. So what else before that? Because that's like the end of this season, the shame steps. But um, before that, well, Stannis dies. Brienne of Tarth kill him. Gotta love that Brienne gets to kill him. Yeah, no, that is great. And I love that she, like, does a formal execution and, like, makes him confess to what he's done and that he does. It's very rewarding for her character. I agree. And he's like, go on, do your duty. Like, (laughs) like, he knows exactly. He's ready to go. Like, he's lost everything. Yeah. And you know who else dies in this episode? Miranda. Theon pushes her over, right? Yeah. When she's like about to shoot arrows at Sansa. Um, so I guess Theon somehow is coming out of his Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. And him being weak. I don't know. I think maybe like. He kind of just does. He's like yeah. done what he needed to do to survive. But then when it came to like protecting someone else, he was able to kind of. Yeah. Except he's definitely like let Ramsey kill other people. So it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. But... He definitely has. I don't know. I mean, obviously he's sense. closer with Sansa than anyone else. So it's not like there's no way this could happen, but it just also it seems a bit inconsistent. I don't know. Yeah. Cause even if they're trying to say like, Oh, this is like when he finally got to his limit, it was like, that was one. And he's like, fuck stands over with Ramsey before too. So like, it just, yeah. What? Yeah. Like a, a few episodes ago, like she like was like, go light this candle. And then Ramsey's like, what you doing Reek? Yeah. And then he flays the person who was going to help her. <laughs> okay so then we've got the um very honest conversation with jamie and marcella after which she promptly dies after she accepts that he's her dad so that one was a sad one um that one always gets me a little because it's like i mean gross as all of the incestiness is it's like she's talking to her dad as her dad for the first like that's very wholesome you know in a sense yeah it's nice and it's not her fault that she's an inbred child (laughs) no and then her actual dad like sucked and really didn't seem to have any interest in his children so like she's like i'm glad you're my dad like you came to get me and um okay so then jorah and dario go off to find danny 
and leave Tyrion and Grey Worm to rule Marine. Um, and then, of course, as we said before, Danny gets swept up by Dothraki. Cersei does her shame step walk and then gets swept up in the arms of Zombie Mountain, who is here now. And Kyburn comes in and puts a coat around her. He's a creeper and he like, their relationship's very weird because he's like gross and protective of her. And yet he's a kind of a Hitler type, likes to likes to experiment on people it seems almost intimate between them but it doesn't seem sexual like it's yes like- it's just a little not good okay and then melisandre shows up at the wall she doesn't tell davos that everyone's dead but sh- she basically does without saying anything he's like where's shireen and she just like gives him a look so he knows everyone has died um and then ollie comes in to get lord commander snarg and ollie you shit they tell they like lure him out with uh, this tale of his uncle Benjamin being found. And then Alistair Thorne does a big stab. And so does everyone else. And they say, for the watch. Yep. And they all murder Snargy Narg and he dead Narg. That scene doesn't hit the same. Now I remember that being like a huge thing because like in the books, he died at the end of the last book. And then we didn't know what was going to happen. And then it was like a whole thing for like a year of like, is he going to come back? Is he not? Like, is Kit Harrington on the set? Like, you know, it was all very under wraps. Now it doesn't hit the same because it's just like he'll be back three episodes later. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, there was this whole, like you said, a year long gap where we were all like trying to figure out what happens. Like, we know that it's been established that the red god people can bring people back to life and melisandre's there conveniently but like we didn't know for sure and like that and the whole r plus l equals j thing i think were like some of the biggest like like almost like conspiracy moments of like mm-hmm. the fandom of this show um yes. like you said they'll we'll never be able to experience that again watching it back no i mean that was part of what we loved about this at the time was like just the the mystery of like trying to figure out because we have all these clues and we're trying to piece together and like yeah the the books leave us some other clues and like are they going to follow that or not but yeah it was pretty intense yeah it's intense I remember I got my cat Jon Snow in between those seasons and I remember people being like why did you name your cat Jon Snow that's a horrible name like you saw what happened to Jon Snow and I'm like oh just wait I think he'll be back like I have faith (laughs) like I'm a Jon Snow is getting resurrected truther (laughs) yeah Um, but yeah, that is the end of season five. We've done it again. Good. I think six is better. I think so. And then seven's fine. And then eight is shit. Overall, like we've said, not our favorite season. Christine, do you want to play a game of Fuck, Mary Kill? Sure. Okay. Ready? Stannis, Kyburn, Zombie Mountain. Uh, I'm going to kill Kyburn. That man's not touching me. I'll fuck Stannis. It'll marry the zombie mountain. <laughs> All right. I mean, he is still protective and loyal to those he loves. He's dead, but that's... All right. What do you got for me? I've got Sam, Jorah, and Stannos. I mean, marry Sam, right? Yeah, you gotta. That's the easy one. And then it's just like, I want to kill the other two. So who do I fucking not kill? I think like my desire to kill both of them is pretty equal. And I'd rather fuck Stannis because he's not going to like show up at my door like a creeper later. Like he's not a stalker. Um, So I'll fuck Stannis and kill Jorah. <laughs> that was a tough one. I think that's a good answer. 
Okay, um, let me do one more for you. This season's Cersei, Ilaria Sand this season, and Melisandre this season. Hmm. Oh, that's so hard. They're all hot and they're all terrible. I think I'm going to kill Melisandre. She kills kids and I don't like that. I'm going to fuck Ilaria. She's hot. And then I'll marry Cersei. I mean, Ilaria this season seems like maybe not someone you would want as a partner. (laughs) No, definitely not. And definitely not Melisandre. Probably not Cersei, but like... The lesser. The lesser of the evils. So Grey Worm, Tyrion, and Dario. I kill Grey Worm and I fuck Dario and I marry Tyrion. That just makes the most sense. I think that makes the most sense too. Okay. We've done it again. Christine, what do you want to plug? Um, I will just plug my music projects as always. Um, I have a feminist pop punk band called Chaos Pixie. We are at Chaos Pixie NYC on Instagram. And I have a covers project duo um, with the lovely Caitlin Caruso Dobbs. um, And our Instagram handle is at Hard Cider Music. Um, How about you, Lauren? What are you plugging? I am, as always, plugging Athletic Brewing Beer. I am today drinking a Run Wild IPA. That's probably my favorite of their flagship beers. Um, It's just like a pretty easygoing for like an IPA. It's not like a really hoppy or intense, but like very delicious and tasty. Yeah. If you guys want a discount code for that, I, you can find that on my Instagram. My Instagram is low underscore Mazzy, L-O underscore M-A-Z-Z-Y. And that's about it. You guys can also follow the pod by finding us on Instagram or Twitter at underscore pod of the dragon. You can also find us on Facebook and we also have an ex- an Etsy store pod of the dragon. Um, we've got a cool, a couple cool merch items on there, especially if you like our silly nicknames. But yeah, we've got a snarky nard collection on there. We've got a who fucked a dragon collection on there. If you're into uh, the way that the Targaryens got their dragon like qualities and believe us over the books um also we really want to hear from you guys so send us an email our email is pod of the dragon podcast at gmail.com and if you want to send us your reactions to our episodes or if you have different theories than what we did or a different reaction to watching the show we'd love to hear that you know if you want to just tell us how cool we are obviously we like love that but you could also be like no i want to get in a fight with you i disagree about Stanos, I think he's cool. And then we'll be like, well, you're an idiot. But you know, we want to fight too. So follow your heart. Email us about whatever. <laughs> you can fight us. Um, yeah, we will we want to be reading some of those emails on the mini sods. So if you wanna let us know if we can read it too, do that. All right, Christine, let's wrap this shit up. Let's do it. We'll be back next week, you guys, with a mini sode. And in the meantime. Dreams did not make us podcasters. Dragons did. Bye forever. Does your cat keep kicking your microphone over? Yep.